We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the October 11th episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Derek Van Riper and I are going to preview all the Week Six games, just like we do every Thursday. Um, first thing I want to ask you, Derek: Do you think the Eagles are going to make a trade for a running back, whether it be Le'Veon Bell or Lashawn McCoy or someone else? It seems like they would because they did it last year with a similar group of personnel having to mix and match. I just think we have to kind of temper expectations the way we did when Jay Ajayi was acquired last year if that happens because it takes some time to get up to speed with the playbook and uh, maybe it's different if it's Bell because Bell's kind of in that elite of the elite tier at running backs where he can just play at a higher level than a lot of guys at the position but even him it's like would he get the same usage as he's getting in Pittsburgh probably not like so it's interesting because they uh, they've had this problem before and that's how they chose to solve it all right um Eagles by the way Let's get started in that Eagles-Giants. First, check us out on Twitter. Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhalpin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. Follow the player updates at Rotowire NFL. Um, Giants-Eagles. So, Olivier Vernon back, but for the Giants, which should help the pass rush, which has been bad. Evan Ingram's out again. For the Eagles, Jay Ajayi's going for the season, which we talked about earlier this week. Um, the, the line's banged up. So, Peters has been playing with a quad injury. Lane Johnson's also been added to the injury. He wasn't on the injury report. Now he is. He's questionable, which is questionable. is usually safe at this point. But, I mean, they're just like, – are they banged up enough to lose this game to the Giants? Yeah, I suppose they are. Short week, having to go on the road uh, in division. You know, the Giants are, are pretty desperate at one and four. Are they, are they actually this bad? Probably not. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be close, as the line suggests. I just – Every time I think about picking the Giants, even when the spread is close, Eli Manning and his continued existence as their starting quarterback kind of walks me away from it. And I think, no, Eli Eli's not quite good enough, even with this talent around him, to to pull this off or to keep it quite that close. So 
I think the settings are right, but I still think if you said, who are you taking? I'm giving up the two and a half points and still taking the Eagles in this game, even with all those concerns. All right. And even with the Eagles being down, I think both starting safeties at this point. Um, so Eagles running backs, what do you do? Um, you've got with the Jai out, Sproul still out, right? Tonight it looks, it appears to be a Smallwood Clement combo. Josh Adams could rear his ugly head. I noticed he he was sort of a sneaky under-the-radar pickup this week that a lot of people were saying, well, I mean, well, Smallwood and Clement went and people blew their budget on Smallwood, but what about Josh Adams? I mean, if you got to take a shot, it's not like Smallwood's Jim Brown. So right. what, what do you think happens tonight, first of all? Probably still an even split because of the short week. I mean, Adams has spent time on the practice squad this year, really hasn't done a lot in limited chances when he's been active. Uh, but maybe a guy for week seven, week eight, maybe someone that does get more involved. If you've got that extra bench spot that you're kind of just turning over, trying to catch lightning in a bottle, you could absolutely consider scooping him up. But it's probably more like a 14-team league or deeper if you're making a move like that or an NFFC-style league where you've got giant benches. Uh, and if, if they believe Adams is their next Ajayi, then they'll eventually have him overtake Clement and Smallwood. But I think it's just a, it's a, it's a pure timeshare. I mean, the, the split last week was... Nearly even between Ajayi and Smallwood before the Ajayi injury. Clement being healthy again probably just takes passing down work and a handful of, of carries away from Smallwood. And it just turns into this ugly timeshare from a fantasy perspective. Okay. Um, so Josh Adams, when did he, where did he get drafted? What's his status? I think he was a, if he was a late picker, if he was an undrafted free agent, he went to Notre Dame. Uh, he's a guy that Mario Puig likes a lot as a prospect just because he's, he's pretty big. He's 6'2", 225. Uh, racked up 1,400 yards, almost seven yards a carry last year at Notre Dame. Didn't catch a lot of passes last season. Did catch 21 uh, in his second to last season with Notre Dame in 2016. So might actually have a little bit more skills-wise than the likes of Smallwood and Corey Clement. I mean, this is a team, the Eagles didn't pay anything for Corey Clement either. He wasn't drafted out of Wisconsin, and he ended up taking on a larger role than expected. So they seem like they, they kind of evaluate players without regard to what they paid for them. And that's the correct way to do it. A lot of teams, um, <clears throat> maybe like the Packers, tend to rank players in the order in which they were drafted, kind of in perpetuity, apparently. Uh, so that's uh, you know a, a good thing for the Eagles. And that's, that's what makes Adams kind of appealing, is that he's in a situation where you have smart coaches who might realize that he is their best option. We, we always go down this dark Packer road with you guys. It's really sad. I'm not, I'm not doing it today, though. That yeah. was it. Okay. I, I, until we talk about the game, at least, <laughs> I will not do it again. Okay. So, uh, Smallwood and Clement, how startable tonight? 12-teamer, how startable? Fringy flex plays that if you had more teams on by, you'd probably have to play them. But I would hope that most teams out there have something else, either you know, an extra receiver that they feel good about or... It's something that makes more sense. I mean, it, it, you could do worse, but um, you, you could also probably do better. Okay, which one is more likely when we wake up tomorrow morning, if one of them, you wake up tomorrow morning and you see the, the, the game stats and you see that one of them only got seven touches, who is it more likely to be that sinks below the double-digit line, Clement or Smallwood? I think it's Clement because of the injury. I, I think I think Smallwood being healthier right now, he's getting six yards of carry, the limited chances he's had. He he just makes more sense if you got to play one. All right. Bills Texans. Um Deshaun Watson. So he's he's hurt and they're calling him day to day. It sounds like he'll play. And of course, like most players, he's going, Oh yeah, I'm fine, don't worry about it. Um but chest injury because he got the crap beat out of him on Sunday night and kept running into people. Um and he's not Cam Newton. Folks, just in case you weren't um, positive that he was, you know, not a monst- monstrously big person like Cam Newton. Uh, would you, first of all, Lamar Miller, if he's back and healthy, I mean, the thing is, Blue's not that good either and didn't run well. I mean, the Cowboys front is pretty good. If, if Lamar Miller's healthy, which he appears to be ready to go, this seems to be a game in which the script would argue that the Texans would be ahead. Do you roll with Lamar? Are you are you looking to roll with Lamar Miller if you have him? Again, every show, everything's context-based. With that said, are you looking to play Lamar Miller or not? You know, he's probably not that far ahead of a guy like Wendell Smallwood if he's cleared. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, we, if we know he's going to play, I don't see as much of a timeshare happening there. So that's what probably gives me the, the little bit of increased confidence in Lamar Miller. But, man, you talk about a guy that's had 
double-digit carries in each of the four games he's played. He just hasn't done that much with them, especially those last two games against the Giants and Colts. The efficiency went down. Still hasn't scored a touchdown on the ground this year. Has one as a receiver. And he hasn't been catching as many passes as we thought because they've had uh, extra receivers stepping up. I mean, beyond what Will Fuller was doing uh, in those first few games, uh, Kiki Kuti, of course, uh, has been doing his thing. So that, that really changes how much I thought Miller might be involved as a pass catcher, too. He's on pace for just 32 catches this year, and he'll probably get less than that because he's already missed one game. All right. Um, LaShawn McCoy, what do you have, 24 carries last week? Mm-hmm. What do you do there? What do you do? I mean, you got to start him if you have him because of the volume, but you probably hate yourself for doing it, right? Yeah, it just keeps ticking up though a little bit. Like I think McCoy comes in a tick higher even than Lamar Miller for me because with that usage, it seems like he's finally healthy again. The Bills offense with Josh Allen is a little better than the Bills offense would have been with Nathan Peterman. Uh, so it's all about the volume. You're just you're not going to find many players who get that many touches in their respective offenses. I don't think Houston's necessarily going to blow Buffalo out. I think they could win this game fairly easily, and they might even be a survivor pick that people have to use. But I think it's close enough where McCoy's heavily involved uh, because even if they're down like 10, he's still out there in passing situations, and that's not something that Chris Ivory can do. So the Rotowire Weekly Projections have LaShawn, LaShawn McCoy at running back 34. That's too low. It, behind, I'm going to go up from 34. Deion Lewis, Tevin Coleman, Kenyon Drake, Buck Allen, Smallwood, Powell, Lindsey Clement. So, yeah, I mean, there's a, I there's a lot a of guys there that are that are definitely in timeshares that will carry the ball a lot less than I, I'd have McCoy ahead of those timeshare backs. Okay. Um, Seahawks Raiders is Mike. I'm not going to talk about Mark Cooper anymore because he makes me angry. He um, makes me angry too, John. I said he was a cash game player last week and beclown myself to the entire world. He's never a cash game. He can't. He can't be a cash game play. Casey Hayward shut him down the way the other two good corners he faced this year shut him down. If I had looked at the past data more closely, I would have seen that Casey Hayward did it twice prior to this season, too. So, right. again, I beclowned myself in front of the entire world. <laughs> this is my fault. Be- beclowned is a good word, by the way. I like it. I, I'm, I'm glad. It's one, of the, it's one of the few like great words that has popped up over the last two years. Yeah. Uh, is, is my, so, basically, with Mari Cooper, if you have him, you're starting him, and you might love it, and you might hate yourself, but you have to do it anyway, sort of. Which is, is a weird position to be in. It's a weird. It's like it's 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 weird because I think that's sort of a, a a good dividing line between DFS and fantasy. I mean, you could if you're bold because we always tell people in season long we tell people don't overthink things work out over time, right? Mm-hmm. And and DFS is different because you're working with a salary cap, but but you look at Amari Cooper and you go, odds are he, that he has a better odds are better he has a good game than, than the, the, the other, the third wide receiver I have in my roster. You know, that, that's what it is. And, and you, and Amari Cooper's good games are, you know, eight for 128 or something. So you, that, that's why you feel like you can't bench him. You feel tethered to him. And it's kind of annoying. And sometimes we get a little, as much as you and I are in the business of talking to people and talking them off ledges to not make stupid decisions or rash decisions, Something like benching Mark Cooper. Like sometimes we, you know, maybe you sh- maybe you should because you don't want to live with the two for eleven or the one for ten like last week, right? Maybe should we do that more often or or not? Am I should, should we continue to be calm and rational and say, yeah, hey, sometimes Mark Cooper is going to go one for ten? It's weird because when you look at Seattle as a matchup, you think, well, it's not the same defense. We talked about that often on this season. Denver got them pretty good in Week One. Both Emmanuel Sanders and Marius Thomas had double digit fantasy points in non-PPR leagues, and then that didn't happen again in weeks two, three, and four, but that was against the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky still kind of finding his way. Dallas, no passing game, and Arizona, which I think that was the first of the Josh Rosen starts. You know, like, those weren't really good tests. The Rams had two also, just like the Broncos, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, who went for uh, double-digit fantasy points against that defense last week. So, I don't think Seattle has uh, that that def- that shutdown corner you fear right now the way some of these teams that he's seen already have. So while I should probably recuse myself from any Amari Cooper analysis, I'm somehow still optimistic about him this week despite making an idiot of myself a week ago with Amari Cooper. Okay. Other question I want to ask you about this game. Is it's Mike- played in London too, right? This that, game this is, is in London. London game? That's true. Yeah. So there's no – yeah, if you see Raiders at home, it's not really um, – is Mike how startable is Mike Davis? Mm, what scale do you want me to use? 
12, uh, 12 team flex. Could he, is well, he, in the, is he inside the top 30 for you? Top 30. Yeah. Snap last week. He still split with Chris Carson and Carson actually had 58% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. That, that worries me. Yeah. Um, Top 30, he's probably right in that that back end. He's just part of that glob. You mentioned a bunch of backs before that were kind of ranked ahead of LaShawn McCoy. Like, he's in that range. I mean, I think I think he's probably near the bottom of that list, though. I, I think at a 12, I don't think he's really startable yeah. unless you're just broken by injuries and bye weeks. I have him at 40th. The Rotowire projections have him 43rd. Okay, so we're kind of in lockstep then. Yep. All right, Bears-Dolphins. Uh, how concerned are you about guys like Jordan Howard and Allen Robinson? I know they had a bye week. Um, Robinson's been inconsistent. Jordan Howard's been not the not the guy we all hoped him to be so far. Yeah, imagine uh, having a team where Jordan Howard or Derrick Henry has to start in one of your running back spots every week, and you see the volume, and you think, this is going to be the week. This is going to be the game script. Right. And then they put up a million points against the Bucks in week four, and he goes for 25 yards on 11 touches. Weird game script. Got out of hand. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Uh, coming off the bye, I would think they're going to get him more involved. Miami's a pretty good matchup for the Bears. Even though they're on the road, they had the extra week to prepare. I don't think the Dolphins are going to blow out anybody. I think they're going to struggle with that Bears pass rush. So this should be another double-digit touch game for Howard. I like him more than LaShawn McCoy, if, if you want to kind of start there as uh, oh, yeah. how do you feel about him. So he's probably slipped from fringy RB1, like possible top 10 back that I thought was being drafted a bit too late, to RB2 that you're you're hoping starts to trend back in the right direction. And I think we could see that. I mean, they got the Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, and Bills. They got the, the AFC East lined up over these next four weeks. So generally not bad matchups. The only one you're a little worried about maybe is New England game scripting him out a little bit. But he doesn't disappear in passing situations. He's caught 10 passes this year, so he's at least involved in that facet of the game. Okay. Uh, yeah, I am 13, so I'm still, I'm still okay. I'm not too worried. Um, Kenyon Drake. So last week, he catches a lot of passes. He still gets, I think, outsnapped by Gore. Um, but at least he was productive, even though he didn't get – he got a bunch of catches, not a bunch of carries. What, what do you do? I mean, if you had Drake, you'd been frustrated, obviously. Last week, the thing is, I would say he finally paid off for you, but you probably had him on the bench if you owned him after what happened the previous couple of weeks. Now what do you do with him? I think you feel better that the snap count was back up above 40, but you feel bad that it was still just 13 touches. Like That's way less than you were hoping for, even though it's more than what he had in weeks three and four. I'll take it. If you're going to give me 13 touches every week from this guy, maybe it's because I'm managing my expectations, but I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, he can get you five or six yards a touch if you're factoring in the, the reception yards there pretty easily. So... Maybe he's a 70-yard guy that's just very TD-dependent instead of you know a 100-yard-per-week guy that is just good every single week. I mean, like that's disappointing based on what you paid, um, but I'm, I'm probably looking at him probably not that far behind Jordan Howard. I mean, Drake versus McCoy. Again, McCoy is kind of the litmus test right now because people generally don't trust that offense, but you, you think you're going to get a huge workload now that he's healthy. That's fairly close. I, I think I'd be... If I'm choosing between the two, McCoy edges him out, but I, I don't think Drake falls that far behind him in the rankings. Okay. I have Drake at... Mm-hmm-hmm. I'm 34th, so I'm pessimistic. Maybe it's because of the Bears. But um, All right, Steelers-Bengals. So, I mean, this game, I don't know. It's a high overrunner. I think it's 52 and a half, 53. You're starting your usual suspects here. Um, the only guy, I mean, really, you're starting Boyd if you have him. You're starting. I mean, it's Boyd Mixon. Geo's out again. That uh, you're not starting a Bengals tight end. Vance McDonald is is. We we talked earlier in the week. I think Tim and I might have talked about how any anyone with a pulse can be a low end tight end one at this point. But Vance McDonald fits the bill, right? He does, and he's in a good offense, or at least an offense that throws the ball a lot because the defense isn't real good. Last week, it was really frustrating because he was in the same cash game lineup that featured Amari Cooper. You can imagine yeah. that I had a pretty bad DFS week. I'll talk you, about that. Is this last said. in your cash game thing? Did oh, you? I I was I was last in the pentathlon by like 28 DraftKings points. Yeah. Like, like I put up like a 72 with a cash game lineup on DraftKings, which is embarrassing. It was, it's the worst score anyone has put up 
in the first five weeks of the pentathlon, uh, short of a week where a guy missed the sign-up link. We get to drop our lowest score like from the entire season. That'll be hopefully my lowest score. But yeah, that's that's the worst lineup anyone has submitted so far this season. All right, good for you. Congratulations. I'm wearing I'm wearing that one. So McDonald's like a top ten, top twelve tight end, but that's I, I think it says more about how bad that position is right now than it does about McDonald being reliable and someone that you you know, fully trust right now. He's 14th in the Rotowire projections this week, which I think is a little. I was going to say I think it's a little low, but I should probably double check my own. I have I have 14th actually. Oh, Ingram's out, so I have him 13th. Boom. Bengals are somewhat generous to opposing tight ends. They've allowed three TDs, like 280 yards. Uh, Eric Ebron probably had the, the best game of the season against them, 51 and a TD. But and they haven't been torched by a tight end yet. But that's against the Colts, who were sharing at the time. Doyle and Ebron combined actually got them pretty good. 11 for 111 and a score on 15 targets. Uh, Ravens you know, chopped up production. Three guys. Ian Thomas didn't do much against them. Falcons, eh. Right. You know, Miami doesn't really have a tight end they're using a lot yet. Gasicki. So, yeah, I don't I think it's a bad matchup for McDonald. All right. There's one guy he's behind in the projections we're going to talk about later. Colts, Jets. So, Hilton still looks like he's tracking to be out. Marlon Mack should be back. He, full practice Wednesday for Marlon Mack. So, that's encouraging. But Doyle and Hilton still not looking good. The thing with the Colts is that, I mean, they're going to dink and dunk. So, I mean, do, do you want – if you're in a bye week and you had, let's say – I don't know, Michael Thomas, and you're in a pinch, or one of the Lions guys. I mean, do you want Chester Rogers or Ryan Grant to go, you know, eight for 66 like last week? I guess so. Right? <laughs> it's, uh, that offense is just brutal. They like, can't at run least, at all. At least it's produced Eric Ebron as an extra fantasy-relevant tight end. Like, that's the nicest thing I can say about the Colts offense right now. Yep. And, and he's hurt, too. I mean, I think it sounds like a Wednesday maintenance day or something, but he, he had practice issues yesterday. Um, Crowell, I think he's battling an ankle injury. I don't think he practiced on, on Wednesday. You're going to have to watch that. Sounds like he'll be fine, but keep an eye on it. Would you be into, after last week, do you want to start Robbie or not? I'm okay with it. Um, if I'm looking at like wide receiver threes, I mean, he might be the kind of flex that I would throw in over the Eagles running backs right now in a PPR setting, at least. It's really close. I mean, I, I definitely like him more than Corey Clement. Maybe Wendell Smallwood edges out. Anderson this week but I, I liked Anderson coming into the season and coming off that huge game last week kind of wonder if it's fresh in the minds of the coaches that this guy is extremely fast and very difficult to cover and can make Sam Darnold better and mm-hmm. get him more involved um, just so everybody knows the rotowire projections have Anunwa at wide receiver 30 and Anderson at wide receiver 33 so it's bullish on the Jets on the Jets mm-hmm. offense in this game so you know take that however you like Panthers, Redskins. Uh, would you start Greg Olson if you had him? Uh, only because the position's a cluster, but not because I feel all that good about what he's going to do right away. Right. I have Olson at tight end fifteen. Right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Behind Vance McDonald, like I'd I'd rather play Vance McDonald if that were a choice I had. Okay. Um, oh, so the other guy that he was ahead of that McDonald was sorry, it was ahead of McDonald. Why, 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 why do we want to start Jordan Reed? Why would anyone start Jordan Reed at this point? Because mm, he's talented. Yeah, I don't know why he disappeared in that Saints game. Like he's their best way to catch up. <laughs> really, when you think about it, I mean, uh, it wasn't a lot of. I mean, the snap count was normal. It wasn't huge. It was okay. Target count has not been great. I mean, I'm not just doing this. Be, I'm not just saying this because of last week. It's just been okay. I mean, I know compared to other tight ends, like we keep saying, you know, the the target count he averaged, he got twenty targets over the first three games, which for this position is probably pretty good. But like, I don't know. Why do I want to start Vance McDonald? I don't need to start Jordan Reed. I don't want him to have him ranked seventh or something, which is where he seems to be ranked everywhere. The projection system has an eighth. I don't know. I'd rather start Rudolph and Burton over him and Brait. I definitely start Brait over him with Jameis back and Howard out. Brait, I think, is one of the risers at tight end this yeah. week. I mean, if you're in a 10-team, 12-team league and you didn't have a good tight end, Braid at least temporarily probably scratches that itch because it just seems like he has that that connection with Winston anyway, and then Howard not being there just removes the the concerns about Braid not getting on the field. Reed, I mean, what, 20 targets in the first three games? They had to buy, then the stupid Monday night game against the Saints. Sometimes coaches just forget they have certain weapons available on the field, and 
then they go back and sit down together and say, oh, yeah, we should have got Jordan Reed more involved. And they, and they correct it. So if you think Jay Gruden's that kind of coach, then I, I don't have any problem starting Reed if you, you don't have a better plan at tight end. I mean, I think you could do a heck of a lot worse than that. All right. And, and uh, oddly, I think Jordan Reed is the only skill position guy in the Redskins not having injury issues. Literally check the injury report. Peterson's got three different things hurting. Chris Thompson was limited Wednesday. All the receivers, Paul Richardson's probably not going to play. Uh, Jameson Crowder, I think, missed practice, and Doxon was limited. I just watched the Redskins injury report because they're, they're a mess. Um, Cardinals, Vikings. Uh, if you hear Sunday morning at 1130, Dalvin Cook is active, you're rolling with him here, right? This is, is a great spot. It is, and if they if they believe he's healthy enough to play, then they should be using him a lot. So unless we get some kind of report from one of those national guys, Schefter, Glazer, Rappaport, whoever, someone you trust, saying that they're going to limit his touches even though he's active, I think you go ahead and play him. Arizona's run defense is bad. Game script is favorable. I know everybody was uh, burned by the Vikings last time. They were a double-digit favorite at home against the Bills back in Week 3. That that happening to them may be the best thing possible for them for this particular matchup because I don't think they're going to look at Arizona and take them lightly whatsoever. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just like against the Bills, right. Um, all right. Yeah, I'm with you on Delvin Cook. All right. Fantasy draft, we put players first. They've got a $100,000 running gun weekly feature GPP, which has a $25 buy-in. There's a $500,000 fantasy draft championship with weekly qualifiers that are happening now. That gets you to a week 16 final if you qualify. Uh, there's super flexible lineup construction, making it easier to sweat the players you love to watch, like Amari Cooper for Derek. Uh, it's easier to win at Fantasy Draft. It pays out at least 25% of the field in every single contest. And if you go to Fantasy Draft and sign up now with refer code ROTOWIRE, with your initial deposit, you get a free $4 GPP ticket. It's a pretty nice perk. So just go to Fantasy Draft, promo code ROTOWIRE, and you get a free $4 GPP ticket to play in a GPP and not use Amari Cooper this week, but to maybe use someone like Dalvin Cook if he's playing against the Cardinals. So Fantasy Draft, we put players first. Thanks a lot, Fantasy Draft. Chargers-Browns here. I can't... Every week I root for the Browns and pick the Browns because I think the Browns are getting better. Their defense has been pretty good. Do you think they keep the Chargers kind of not on lockdown, but do, do they do they shut down the Chargers to a point that you need to reconsider any of your usual suspects? So basically, with the Chargers, Keenan and Gordon are are locks. Rivers is fringy, and the receivers Williams and not Tyrell Williams. You hardly ever play Tyrell Williams. Mike Williams is sort of a depends on the situation. So I guess what do you do in this case? How do you see this game and how it affects guys like Rivers and Mike Williams? And yeah, Eckler, it's a good while we're at it. Well, this this is one of those weeks where the Chargers probably won't be able to use Eckler the way they have in a lot of other matchups. Like they they'll still have a role for him, but I think it's smaller than usual. So I think that's a, a bit of a concern. The interesting thing the Browns so far this season. They've had a few teams put up monster numbers through the air. You know, Roethlisberger, 335 at three picks. Derek Carr back in week four, 437, four TDs, but 58 attempts. Like, that was an odd shootout sort of game script. I'm still not quite sure what this defense is. I think them slowing down the Ravens actually is a pretty good sign from last week. I think there is a ton of talent, a lot of athleticism on the defense, and even like the Drew Brees matchup in week two in New Orleans, they held Brees to 243, 243 and two touchdowns. Like that's, that's a pretty good result in that spot. So uh, I would look at Rivers and, and dial back those expectations a bit, maybe bring down the efficiency, bring it down to the point where you think he's probably throwing 30 to 35 passes instead of uh, 40 plus. And um, I don't know if I'm sitting any of those guys like Williams. Mike Williams is probably still in my lineups. Keenan Allen, of course, still in. Eckler's that fringe guy that you've been relying on as like a flex that you probably have to look elsewhere for this week. Okay. Uh, Rivers, by the way, 14th at quarterback per the Rotowire projections. Bucks, Falcons. All right, so everybody. Well, okay, not everybody. This is this game, 57 and a half over under. I mean, it should be jackpot. I, I can't, I cannot wait to start Jameis Winston in the leagues I have, man. And I've had, I actually have had Jameis stashed in a couple of leagues. Just because I look, I go, well, this week, 
there's someone else I can cut. I don't love everyone on the waiver wire. And man, once Javis gets going, I'm going to be able to play him often. And this is the perfect spot for him. Now, who in this game, by the way, Devontae Freeman might not play again. He's got bruised foot. So you might be back to the Tevin Coleman, Edo Smith combo. Who would you not want to start in this game? Uh, I mean, Hooper you want to play, right? If you have him, you're like, yeah, yeah. Well, if I'm going to play him at all. It's now. Yeah, this is the kind of matchup that elevates Hooper. Uh, we talked about Brait before. Brait's in a good spot. Even Peyton Barber is kind of interesting right now. Like, I, I don't like Peyton Barber at all, but they're so banged up defensively in Atlanta that if you think Peyton Barber is getting a similar workload to what he was getting before that bye week, you kind of feel good about the situation, right? So well, Okay, but here's the question about that. Before the bye week, they had that blowout loss to the Bears. And that was the first game Ronald Jones was active, and he got a good amount of run in the game. Now, we don't know what that means. With games like that, you never know. if, And we haven't heard much from Dirk Cutter on it. We, does Jones's presence scare you away from Barber? And could you start Jones if you don't hear anything concrete before Sunday? I think Jones is still kind of like a fishbowl sort of play as opposed to like a normal league gun of play. I, okay. I, I just don't trust the Bucks until they, they really make it clear that he's going to do uh, something consistent volume-wise week to week. They just The way they've handled him is really unusual for a player they drafted that early. Uh, so I, I guess he'd be a guy that I'm, I'm hesitant to use. Barber, yeah, I, I, that usage for Jones is maybe enough to scare me away, at least in a shallow league. But I think Barber goes from a guy I don't like at all to at least a flex consideration, which is a decent move. And um, as far as the receivers go, do you go the full list? Do you go at least the top three with Evans, Deshaun Jackson, and Chris Godwin this week, expecting this game to hit that high total? I think right now the projections have Jackson at 25 and Godwin at 42. Hmm. Um, And on the other side... I'm looking for Sanu. Sanu at 40. So they're low. Good, Goodwin, according to the Rotowire projections, Godwin and Sanu are the guys on the outside looking in. But I, th- I think if in certain contexts, you're kind of like, yeah, I, I'd do that. I mean, this game should be just, you know, the Falcons defense is a, is a disaster because of yeah. injury. So I think, I mean, if I, I had Godwin and Sanu, I'd be looking hard at whoever else I had. Like this is another one. Those those are guys who, if it's not this spot, what's the spot? And the Bucks have allowed at least three hundred and thirty four passing yards in each of the first four games this season. Right, <laughs> that is they're bad. To, to Breeze, Foles, Big Ben, and Mitchell Trubisky, <laughs> they have thirteen passing TDs allowed. They've intercepted one pass this season. Like that is a horrible pass defense. So right. it yes, it should live up to the expectations because both defenses are just that bad. Uh, but I think in the Bucks case, I'd err on the side of like being more aggressive with Godwin than I would be uh, with Ronald Jones right now. Okay. Um, by the way, the Rotowire projections, uh, Brait is tight end 11, Hooper's tight end 12. Jameis okay. is QB. Where is he? Yeah, QB 9. And that's fine. I think I have Jameis at 7. So, oh, 6 actually. I mean, I'm ready. I've been, I've been waiting five weeks and that, you know. The reins are off. He's in for me. All right, Rams-Broncos. Cooks and Cup suffered concussions on Sunday. Sean McVay said on Wednesday that he seems optimistic that they're going to play. Like He said it looks good, sounds good. You know, with concussions, we never know. That's the problem with them. It's not what we think. We saw him on the field, and we think the way he's going to progress. It's the concussion level either clears or doesn't. So we sort of have to wait. Um, especially if these guys are out. Do you want to? I look at this and I go, if I had Jared Goff, I'm trying to look elsewhere. And I've said that before this season, and it's killed me because he's doing more, even with, you know, not elite volume than he did last year. I mean, he's racking up the numbers. And it seems, it might seem silly to think about benching a guy, the quarterback of this offense. But the Rams, you know, they kind of held, the Broncos kind of held the Chiefs in check a little bit. Like, Mahomes didn't kill them. Um, I mean, the Rotary projections have Goff at QB4, and I'm, I'm out on that. I, th- I think even if one or both of those guys played, 
I, I, is it weird for me to still be a little hesitant on Goff? Uh, not if those receivers are out. I think if, if even one of them plays, that changes things quite a bit. I mean, I think having to tap into Josh Reynolds and maybe throw to their tight ends more kind of weakens what they can do. Even with all the injury information, though, this game's got a 52.5 over-under. Yep. So you got the Steelers-Bengals on that same level, Chiefs-Patriots seven points higher, and then the uh, Bucks-Falcons game we just talked about is about five points higher. Otherwise, that, that's the that's up there. That's like the third or tied for the third highest over-under total on the board. I mean, so, so, the, Ram, so the Rams project the Rams implied total is thirty. Yeah, it's still what second or third then league-wide. I think so. Yeah, over, behind because the, the Patriots and and maybe the Falcons. Yeah, I mean that's that's really good. So based on that, no, I don't think you sit Goff, but. That number comes down if that news changes. I, I I don't think Vegas can appropriately predict concussion protocol outcomes. Yep. Because symptoms can pop up after, like later than expected. So I, I just think they're they're probably erring on the side of those guys playing. And if they're not, then that number comes down, and and this Denver plus seven becomes more interesting. Mm-hmm. Actually, a uh, quick personal story. I'm, I'm learning more about this. My daughter has a concussion right now. She, That's awful. She suffered it. She bumped her head in the pool on August 26th. And it, we didn't think much of it when it happened. And the next day, she said, you know, my head's bothering me a little bit. She is still basically in, in high school student concussion protocol where she's going to school half days and taking naps and... So, I mean, this thing is like, it it just won't go away and you can't make it go away. It's not like an ankle where you can, you know, Hey, put your feet up for four days. So it's just, it happens when it happens. Right. It's avoid bright lights. Don't look at your phone. Don't read. Like it's, that's all it's, Oh, so, so don't live life. So, so lay down and shut my eyes. I mean, it's, 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 I, I, yeah, I, I think seeing them firsthand, I mean, see, yeah, that's it's terrible if that happened to your daughter. And I've I've seen it happen as a, as a soccer coach. People mm-hmm. listening like soccer, it's not football. Like it's still a concussion. I, I mean, I've I've seen kids that were going to play college soccer who couldn't because of repeated concussions playing club and high school soccer in that time in high school. I mean, like that's it's devastating. Aside from what it does to you short term, the long term implications of multiple concussions are still unknown we we haven't we haven't known concussions existed long enough to know with certainty what happens to people that aren't professional athletes that only suffer a couple of them over the next 30 or 40 years so right. this is this is still relatively new um but yeah i mean it's it, it's a it's a mild traumatic brain injury like in and i think calling them concussions almost like desensitizes us to what exactly people that have suffered that are going through right and and like uh, to to what you said about my, yeah I mean I I knew all this I knew all of this but seeing it firsthand has sort of gotten me especially alert to it like yeah I mean it yeah I don't I don't know if that guy's gonna play on Sunday <laughs> I I can't answer that none of us can answer that and until he clears the you know the baseline test which I mean throw your hands up so don't count on anything with concussions I guess is where we're going no matter what Sean McVay says and and what the players say you just kind of have to wait it out Jags Cowboys. Uh, this is a going. This appears to be a defensive slog. I, I mean, basically, I look at this game for fantasy owners. You're obviously starting Ezekiel Elliott. You are starting TJ Yeldon, and you are pretty much benching everybody else, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe you're in a third receiver situation with one of the the Jags options. I mean, Moncrief maybe is the guy that you feel good about right now, or Westbrook. But man, I, I just they're Blake Bortles. What what an amazing disaster last week in yep. Kansas City. Uh, so that that really kind of reduces confidence you have in those pass catchers, even if you believe in their talent. If I could pick any one game to send the two teams playing on by this week instead of having to play each other, right? This would be that game. Yeah, it's it's awful. And 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 please, folks, don't misunderstand us. I, I'm I'm going to speak for myself. I don't mind a good defensive game, and I like watching the Jags and the Cowboys defense is better. But this is. This is going to be definitely from the Cowboys side, some offensive ineptitude like it was on Sunday. So it's not just going to be good defense. It's going to be good defense just banging on at least one bad offense and the other a mediocre offense. Is this America's game of the week, though? There's only three games in that four o'clock 
Eastern block, and it's it's one up two at four twenty five. I'm I'm certain that Ravens Titans is not America's game of the week. So I'm looking right now in my market, my early game: Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, Dallas. Most of the country is getting the only. There is a swath from Baltimore through Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and down through Tennessee. And for some reason, a tiny pocket of the Northern California, Southern Oregon border is getting Baltimore, Tennessee on CBS. I always, that always puzzles me. And then I look at that and go, what is some, wait, oh, Mariota. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So, so, so some of the, some of the Mariota fans really, really want the Titans. There's, there's a pocket of Titans fans. And Honolulu is getting, uh, legitimately, Honolulu is the other market getting that game. The rest sure. of the country is getting Jags and Cowboys. With Nance and Romo on the call. The rest of the country has been promptly encouraged to record the game on their uh, digital video recorders and to go apple picking with their families, only to come back, <laughs> speed through the commercials, and watch the game on mute. That is that is the invitation that has been extended to you by the NFL. So if you're the kind of person who has been putting off apple picking with your family, I suggest 425 p.m. Eastern on this Sunday as maybe the best time this football season to uh, check that off your list record it watch it later but the apple picking has to be close by if you're doing it at four o'clock well if you're on the east coast if you're anywhere else you right yeah you're probably a little better Uh, also i mean i live in wisconsin apple picking is really never that far away it doesn't matter where you are you're in a city go go 20 minutes in any direction and you're probably apple picking gotcha all right um so I said I basically hated everybody here. And by the way, the Rotowire projections have the Jags receivers, Keelan Cole 38, D.D. Westbrook 41. Ravens Titans, another one. I kind of don't hate, I don't like the running backs. I feel like Derrick Henry might be almost ready to turn a corner. It's just that this is not the matchup to do it in. And the Rotowire projections have an RB42, so they definitely doesn't like him. Alex Collins is 25th. Buck Allen's 30. Like, who in this game do you want to play? Anybody? Corey Davis? Mm-hmm. Corey Davis, I guess. Yeah, Ravens have been have been tough against opposing backs. I mean, McCoy, because of volume, got double-digit fantasy points in non-PPR last week. But that was the first time all season that anybody did it, and he barely did it. He had 10.8 fantasy points in a non-PPR setting. That's been against the Dolphins, the Texans, the Jags, Sands, Leonard Fournette, uh, the Eagles. And the Bills. So they haven't faced great running games. So maybe that's part of it with the Titans. But then do you look at the Ravens and say, That's that's a great running game. They're gonna no. they're gonna run all over Tennessee. Like, no, not really. Like, I'm frustrated because I, I was I was just like Kenyon Drake. I started off as a skeptic of Alex Collins, and then the more I looked at what he was doing last year, the more I talked myself into believing yeah. he was their feature back. And uh, that has proven to be very wrong, even though when you watch him. He looks good. Like, he looks good after contact. But 7, 9, 18, 11, and 12 for the carries for a guy that's got 1, 3, 3, and 1, 1 for the catches. Like, that's just not enough. No. Um, yeah, all right. In this game, the highest-ranked running back on the board per the – actually, the highest-ranked wide receiver. Let's go. I think I said Collins was the highest-ranked running back at 25. Receiver, is there anybody? Davis is 27th on the road wire projections. So, uh Lee, a lot, a lot of non-offense here. Chiefs, Pats, on the other hand, woo. Um, so, Red Sox fans and Patriots fans combined. Red Sox seven oh nine start for Game Two of the ALCS. Patriots and Chiefs will kick at about eight twenty. So, um, interesting night for lots of uh, New England bars, I would think. Yeah, probably going to be a big night. Um... <laughs> I mean, sales-wise, regardless of, of outcomes. And I, I'm pretty excited about the the way the primetime games worked out. Like, the Giants-Eagles game tonight, not bad. Chiefs-Patriots, phenomenal Sunday night game. It's just it's frustrating that it overlaps the ALCS because if it were a crappy Sunday night game, I would watch the ALCS without guilt. Now I'm going to have to probably get a second screen going, which is not the end of the world. But um, ugh, I just I, I like I like being able to focus on the baseball playoffs, and that's a really good matchup in the Chiefs and Patriots. Right, it really is. Um, I mean, everybody, you're rolling with everybody here. Everybody. Ex- except for, like, Chris Hogan. <laughs> I was going to say even Chris Hogan might be a consideration. <laughs> I mean, all the Chiefs. Sammy Watkins in, right? 
The Roto-Rider Jackson's have Watkins at 24th. Yep. I mean, as long as everyone's healthy, I, this this game, 59 and a half. Like, that, um, wow. Highest, I mean, that's nuts. Highest over-under in the NFL since 2004. Was that like a Mark Bulger Rams team? It was Chief somebody. I saw this earlier hmm. today. Hold on. I can get it. We're holding. You're holding? I know everybody wants to hear hold on when they're listening to a podcast. It's always fun. I don't have any hold music to play. Like I need, I need to get one of those things. Um, Chiefs that, Raiders, week 16, 2004. The over-under was 60. Man, I, I kind of wish I remembered more about the context of that matchup off the top of my head. So that would have been maybe like the Rich Gannon Raiders in I, 2004. I don't know if it was still Rich Gannon. We'll look that up. I'm not going to waste your time looking that uh, up. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that up while you're while you're filibustering here. All right, here's the other guy, Josh Gordon. What do you do? Um, <laughs> the projections. Where are we with Josh Gordon on the projections? I can't find him. Hogan's 32nd. I would imagine Gordon's low because of volume. 49th. So the Rotowire projections say no thank you to Josh Gordon in this matchup. In this I mean, fireworks-filled matchup. That makes sense uh, because it's 3-2-4 and four for the targets. Five total catches so far this season. Mm-hmm. Only two of those games in New England, so you know six and four for targets and catches. But I don't look at the... I don't look at the the touchdown last week and go, oh yeah, he's definitely got stuff designed for him in the offense. That was that was a backyard play. I mean, it was a, it was a great catch. It was, it was fine, but it's just there's still work to be done. It seems with him getting fully up to speed in the offense. Sure, this could be the week. Maybe they find something they really like matchup wise with him. But he's not a lock to be in your lineup, even though everybody wants to start everybody in this game. Right. Are there situations where you do it? Yeah, but it's not. I don't know if you're starting Josh Gordon in 10-team leagues this week. 12s, maybe even that's a, a reach, too. Yeah, I think it is. That's too bad because this would be the... I mean, as far as spots go, this is a great one. But, yeah, yeah we're, we're not there with him yet. I mean, the difference between receiver 33 and receiver 52 in projections is probably pretty small. So right. you can you can absolutely talk yourself into it. But don't don't delude yourself into thinking the role is a lot bigger than it really is right now because four targets last week and everybody else in that offense pretty much being healthy, those are two things that kind of work against him presently. Okay. Um, and yeah, the, the reason I think you still hold him, though, because you look at this game, and I, what I said earlier about guys like Sanu and Godwin, you know, if you're not going to start him now, when are you going to start him? But the thing with Gordon is he's still working his way into that mix in New England. And we just remember last year, even in limited action, you had corners coming off the field going, I don't care what stats say, that was the best wide receiver I faced all year. Again, that that's that's your holding out hope for Josh Gordon, and maybe it's stubborn, but you kind of, especially if you have him, like you know, you're you're in now. Like you're, yeah, you know. he's he's just one of those weird players. Like you you know the payoff could be huge, so you don't want to cut him. Right. You don't feel great about starting him right now. Trap players are, are that's the wrong word for him, but um, PNL you know pointed out with Leonard Fournette because of the duration of his injury, the bye week where that's at, how long they might sit him. You can't cut him. You probably can't trade him. You can't use him right now. He's a forced hold. I think that's kind of what Josh Gordon is for for slightly different reasons because it's not difficult to look at this and go, after Gronk, he's their best pass catcher. Or even ahead of Gronk, if he's fully up to speed, like a healthy Josh Gordon can break the league with a bad quarterback on a bad team, and yep. he's got a good quarterback. He's on a good team now. Yep, I agree. All right, Monday night, Niners-Packers. Um, you talked about good games. What, what time are you, you – so you're – your Brewers are going to be in prime time Monday, right? They should be because they'll have had a day off Sunday. So it'll be the first of game three of that series. And with it being in L.A., I would guess starting around the same time as this Monday night football game. And I think it's also because the ALCS will be Saturday, Sunday off Monday, right? right. So, yeah, that's going to be overlapping two nights in a row. I'm really going to get that second TV, John, instead of that chest freezer that I narrowly dodged this past weekend uh yeah so what do i do here what's my play everybody is my play as as a fan of a baseball team that is rarely in the playoffs i think it's silly if i watch or focus on the packer game as it happens i think the simple move here is sure have it on follow it watch the brewers with all of your focus and then rewatch the 
McCarthy's stupidity uh, the following morning in its condensed form to be less angry about it. Yeah. I think that's the I think that's the optimal solution for Packer Brewer fans with the situation on Monday night. All right, um, this game not a lot of mystery. I think your 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 decision guy is probably Alfred Morris. Um, in. In, in as far as you know, he he's the he's the on the fence guy. The rotowire projections have him at twenty third at running back because Breed is hurt. Yep. So uh, assuming Breed is not playing, uh, fortunately his injury is not as bad as it could be. It looked like it was going to be a lot worse. Uh, if if Breed is ruled out, Morris is in for me. I think he is a low end RB two, easy flex if you've got that depth. Um, I, I I don't agree with the line. I mean the Packers are nine and a half point favorites right now. They have not shown that they're able to put the foot on the gas. And, uh, and and their defense is leaky enough where I think even a banged up San Francisco offense can can put points on the board against them. So I'm I'm taking the Niners with the points, uh, right. even though I mean I, I don't expect the Packers to lose outright, but I, I think it's closer than the nine and a half ten that you're going to see. All right, um, and the other one, since we're recording this right now, I'm talking a little before ten o'clock Eastern on Thursday. Uh, we have no word yet on Randall Cobb, John Miles, and that Cobb wants to play. We're gonna have to wait till they practice to see what's going on. Derek, what else you got going on? Mm, a little bit of everything. I'm actually shifting to a new role for the site, so I'm all over the road. I played DFS golf last night, John, for the wow. tournament in Malaysia. So Nice. That gives you a, a slight idea of what I'm up to. It, it's everything. I played DFS hockey two days ago. Um, a lot of DFS-centric stuff coming from me in the weeks ahead. And to be completely honest, I don't even know what the order is going to be, like how much I'm going to focus on each sport as it comes up. DFS hoop starts next week, too, so... It's probably more behind-the-scenes stuff for now, but, um, yeah, looking forward to trying some new things. Awesome. Well, uh, enjoy that stuff. Enjoy watching Malaysian, Malaysian golf tournaments. That should be great. Um, all right, everybody. Listeners to this podcast get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that, so you can take a look at nearly all the features on the site. Again, rotowire.com slash pod. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Fantasy Draft. Leave us a review and a rating if you're listening, by the way. Thank you. We'll be back on Friday, Derek and me, to cover the latest news, injuries, uh, all the stuff from the Friday practices. So come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.